Broadcasting from deep within plastic country, it's All the Toys with Jedi Cole and Andrew. You might have heard some of the toys, or a lot of toys, but we said all the toys. Join us as we unpack the psychology, relationships, and fun of our obsession and explore the madness that is collecting. This is All the Toys. Everybody, welcome to All the Toys, the brand new podcast here at the Jedi Cold Universe. And I'm really excited. This is our second episode. Yep. And we're going to be coming to you every other week uh, as a sort of companion show to Hey Kids Comics, alternating uh, weeks with that show. And this is, I'm, of course, uh, Jedi Cole and Cole Houston. And uh, with me is the amazing Andrew Farmer, who said, you know, we talk a lot about toys on our comic show. So why don't we do a why don't we do a toy show so we can talk about comics? No, but <laughs> You know, that's a great idea. We should split yeah. the names. Just it's all the same. It's all the same anyway. That's right. I uh I'm excited. Uh I did a lot of research for this. It, it you know, like like a lot of the shows we've done for the Jedi Cole Universe, you come up with a um, come up with a topic that we, we're pretty excited about. Uh, but you think to yourself, is there really enough? You know, is, is there enough meat on that bone to do <laughs> an hour on? And this topic, I think we could probably get away with doing more than that. And we probably will. But before we get into that, Cole, I got a question for you. Yeah. How was your hunt this week? I, I've had some moderate success this week. I've, uh, oh, let's see. Well, among other things, I uh, I sold some stuff on eBay and got enough to, uh, or something I paid like eight bucks for. I got twenty one for, and I figured, oh, that that uh, is a good way to buy myself another Jurassic World dinosaur. Heck yeah! So I bought the fake name sounding Majungasaurus, which is one of my favorites so far. We were talking before the show that. I want to do an entire episode in these in in, in this uh, run of shows that we're doing for all the toys, where we, I really want to get into that sub the sub called of dinosaur action figure collecting and <laughs> the pedantic nature of it. That's that's something I want to do, or just oh, the pedantic yeah, nature yeah. of collecting in general. Because oh when my god, collect, uh, when you have collectibles that are based on actual animals then you really do uh, wind up getting a lot of, um, well, pedantic collectors in the mix. And, you know, there are some who won't touch the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World line because they're not, that's not really what these I love it. dinosaurs look like. But that is the story the other day. That's my favorite thing, though. That When we're talking about collecting, with everything that's going on in the world right now, the arguments that I see about like Storm Shadow <laughs> and Snake Eyes, I'm like, God, it's so pure. Like it, before, a year ago, we were bitching about it. Like, yeah. like just let people have fun and enjoy what they want to enjoy. And now seeing those like, like really, really granular arguments about like, you know, I, I saw one today where somebody had made a a, a kit bashed custom of Wolverine from World War Two where they took, like, the cap World War II body and then stuck the Wolverine head and uh, and bone claws from the uh, Amazon uh, action figure on it, and they were arguing because <laughs> you can see the top of the star 
from Wolverine's uh, costume or from Cap's costume under the the, the World War Two fatigues, and, and they were arguing about whether it was. And I'm just like, God, you know, it harkens back to a simpler time well, for us. Well, yeah, when the whatever the GI Joe, whatever they're calling that uh, that new line, the, yeah. the six inch line, uh, GI Joe Black series, or they should have called it the Red, White, and Blue. But there you have it. <laughs> Uh, they gotta. They really need to talk to you before they make these decisions, Cole. Oh, they absolutely should talk to me about a lot of stuff, but <laughs> they're just not doing it. So <laughs> the phone ain't ringing, Cole. That's right. Until that series comes out with the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine characters from the original GI Joe, <laughs> right? You're probably not going to have a good 100 percent accurate Wolverine costume, and then people would complain he's not beefy enough. That's true. That's true. For me, that's my that's my win. Was uh, I got a belated uh, Amazon gift card um, for uh, for my birthday? Uh, turned around, turned that into the Amazon exclusive uh, Marvel Legends huge Axe Man uh, Wolverine. Oh, figure. I need to get myself one of them. It is a thing of beauty. That is gorgeous. Let me tell you about two things about this figure that I think are pertinent to this show and the Jedi Cole universe in general. Uh, cute little pockets and cute little boots. He's got them, baby. <laughs> he jeans. does. He does. <laughs> His jeans are the best he representation. He does have sweet pockets and cute boots and everything. <laughs> He's got it all, baby. He's the best jeans representation on a Marvel Legend I've seen yet. Like, real acid-washed, like, here I go again on my own. White snake jeans. Oh, it's good. Yeah, thank God. There are. He's the best. (laughs) He's the best at what he does, and what he does is stonewash jeans. Right. Well, they're they're Lee jeans. (laughs) What a comic connection. Why? Why hasn't Ryan Reynolds talked Hugh Jackman into doing an '80s Lee jeans commercial for with Wolverine? (laughs) Come on, Ryan. I know you just got Rick Moranis out of uh, retirement to do a mint mobile commercial, but uh, you're slacking. We want to see it. Um, All right, Cole. uh, Today we're talking about what? We are talking, we are tipping the scales today. Okay. You did it. You did it. (laughs) You you gave you enough runway to come up with one. I like it. I I knew there was something out there for this. Yeah. We are tipping the scales. We are going to talk about, wildly diverse volume of scale in action figure and toy collecting because scale is all over the map and frankly always has been. Uh, You know, uh, if you want to talk about the gender specification that was once the order of the day in toys. Go somewhere else. (laughs) To this day, because I actually heard, overheard a conversation. I cannot remember what kind of thing it was, but Someone was being telling that told that that was a boy toy, and it's like, no, it's it's a toy. Yeah, that 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 is the pedantry from the past that I do not like. Like, it's people, some antique controversy right there. I I loved, and a, a diversity for me in an action figure line or in a toy line is 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 gold. If you can give me diversity, I will I will buy every. As you know from you know our our. Marvel Legends, our Marvel Universe three and three quarter inch lines, like anytime you can give me a diverse toy line, I will just back the money truck up for you. And uh, My Little Pony did it, and I collected My Little Ponies. I wasn't a I wasn't a full blown full blown brony, <laughs> which is a, a thing you should say once a day. That's a that's a vocal full exercise. Blown, full blown brony, yeah. Full blown brony. Um, 
but you know, I liked the diversity. I liked the the differences, the collectability of that line. Like, don't tell me they're boys and girls toys. There are toys, baby. Stop yeah, putting them in pink. I, I have to applaud the uh, parents of our niece who uh, fully embraced her just practically out of the womb love of dinosaurs. And you know, what could be more universal than any kind of animal, living or dead? But uh, and, I, I do know. want to say this before you go any further. I do appreciate that you referred to her as our niece. I think you were talking about you and uh, and Catherine, the the unsung hero of all the Jedi Gold oh, universe. Yeah. But I will yeah. own. I will. I will stand okay. by. It's our niece. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> what were you saying about scale? <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we we're going to talk about the diversity of scale, because if you go back far enough, there were a couple of scales. Uh, uh, if you want to look at a very martial kind of uh, that uh, kind of toy, I, I think that the oldest kind of toys aimed at boys were military in nature. And so you literally had two kinds of scales when I was coming up, and that was G.I. Joe and the 12-inch scale with the with the cloth costumes and the thousand accessories, and you had army men. Little, little army men. Little, little bitty cast plastic army men who pretty much all they ever did was stay in one pose. They were eternal minesweepers. Or <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to, well, don't sleep on that minesweeper, Cole. That guy yeah, was important. He was vitally important. I never recall any mines uh, that you could bury. Uh, for him to hopefully find, but... Uh, that poor uh, guy with radio, he never got played with, man. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty uh, pretty well stuck. <laughs> <laughs> he was the back of the lines. Yeah, he was, uh, but, you know, he also wasn't uh, doing points, so... Uh, That's true. <laughs> he had that going for him, in a sense. So, you know, the thing about it is that the 12-inch scale, as far as the action figure, and, and G.I. Joe was, of course, the original action figure. The, the coin the coin was termed. The term was coined. <laughs> the coin was turned. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the uh, term was coined specifically by Hasbro for G.I. Joe, and thankfully they didn't try to get all, uh, you know, proprietary about that term. And so it you know, people don't have to come up with a thousand different ways to say that. Yeah. So that's a, always a plus. See, that was the, the the original Joes were before my time. Um, that was one that was probably one generation back. From yeah. Where, from where I came into collecting or, or having toys. But I was I am old enough to have remembered them in existence being in existence, being, you know, people having them, you know, people playing with them. Um, and, and the one you had, a you had a really interesting realization about, uh, that kind of scale of toy. And I don't know if it plan, if it pans out to everything. Um, but because of the, because they hadn't cracked the, the articulation code yet. Um, and we'll talk about that even a little later, but they, um, they just accessorized the hell out of those figures. Yeah, well, G.I. Joe had a, a, a degree of articulation um, but other, that others didn't necessarily always have. Uh, the standard in those days, because I think plastic was plentiful and money was flowing, was uh, articulation at the neck, shoulders, elbows, wrists. 
um, a sort of weird pivoting <laughs> midriff. Yes. Uh, hips, knees, and ankles. It would make a you could make a T out of your action figures with. Yeah. That's that's what people they did. could they could achieve Milo Minara level poses. <laughs> Those who get it will get it. Um, but the thing about it is that. And then later, that wasn't enough articulation, Kung Fu Grip arrived. Oh, yes, the Kung Fu Grip, which, was that an articulation or just a mold? I think that may have been a slight articulation in the mold, in the uh, hand itself, but I never had one, so I may be wrong there. But that was sort of in reaction to Big Jim. I, it, oh. I really feel like it was because Big Jim could grab stuff too. He could like Listen, throttle. Big Jim can of... grab whatever he wants. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. <about> Big Jim. <laughs> I wish I could remember. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, Jefferson. I need Jefferson. Like I need a mental link to Jefferson because yeah. he found he found a Big Jim. Uh, you know, um, uh, also ran that was in the same line. That I wish. Keep talking. I'm going to try to find this big. Yeah, gym. And I, I'm. I'm trying to do a little digging here, and I think you are correct. The kung fu grip was the way they built or, or sculpted the hands. Because because before you he couldn't was, hold it. it, you couldn't hold it. Yeah, it was designed to grab onto things like, uh, say, an enemy's pistol or um, a shake weighty. The thing I love about the big gym line, and I'm looking at it now, is that all of the characters, <laughs> whether it, regardless of the character, had to have Big before his name. Oh, yeah. So, so you had Big Jim, but then you also had Big Jeff <laughs> and Big Jack. <laughs> it's great. You had to have a J name to get in on this? Or? I think so. I think big so. Big Jeff and, uh, you know, Big Jorge were able to get in. But, they were uh, able to get in. Yes. Yeah. Big, Big James. Al, not so much. <laughs> Big Mike, sorry, Big, we... Sorry, Big Mike, you're not getting uh, in this one. Also, the Kung Fu Grip hand was uh, in rubber. Oh, yes, okay. Like the heads were. And this is also the period where he had the creepy eyes. <laughs> you, know, had the, you could, like, make him look left and right. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, but... Yeah, this is also a period where um, I think it was Migo, or maybe Ideal, who fielded their answer to G.I. Joe, which was Johnny West. Okay. Johnny West was unique in that head-to-toe Johnny West was solid plastic. I'm talking solid. This guy could stop a bullet. (laughs) But it was a weapon. Yeah, it really was. He was a cudgel, and you could dress your cudgel. <laughs> it was Lewis Marks. It was Marks who made the Army Man dinosaur sets and the Guns of the Navarone and stuff like that. Their answer to the action figure line was to have um, a decent level of articulation at the knees, hips, shoulders, and elbows, as well as the neck. And the figures came sculpted with a basic outfit in either one or two colors, but I think it was generally just one solid color, and then the head would be uh, a, a certain tone, and then they would paint the hair on, or paint the hair. But each and every figure came with a veritable crap ton of accessories. 
so old Johnny boy, big Johnny, uh, is there in his like, uh, standard, uh, give me another hour and I'll finish getting dressed, uh, buckskin kind of outfit. Sure. Or his, his khaki sort of Western wear with his, his, uh, low boots and his cuffs around the ankles and, uh, and sweet little pockets. <laughs> but he came with, get this, spurs. Okay. Chaps that had little tabs and hole, receiving holes. You could actually strap them onto his, his legs. Okay. He had a gun belt and holster. He had a pistol, a <laughs> derringer, a rifle. Just a, It was the uh, Chuck Connors special. He had a vest, a uh, nickerchief, <laughs> hat, and a canteen, all cast in hard rubber. But no, there's more. But wait. It's not ordinary honey. He had two branding irons, a two, Bowie knife. Two branding irons. A skillet, a coffee mug, a coffee pot, a coffee mug, and a, a kind of a, a box, probably an ammo box. That's fantastic. That is a lot. I did yeah. post a picture for you. A ton of stuff. Of uh, my next cosplay. And he may have some biscuits or something. I'm not really sure what this is. I found a picture. I gave that, or maybe it was uh, packets of powder. Or, oh, I, I think I know what they were. We had an aunt and uncle who had their kids' handful of Johnny West toys, and that was so much fun to go and play with those because they had, uh, of course, Johnny. I think they had Chief Sitting Bull. They actually did God's True Geronimo and Sitting Bull. Yeah. And it was also, I believe, a Mohican uh, character. I'm not sure if it was a name character from history or not. Uh, there was a kid, so you literally could do the Rifleman if you were a big Chuck Connors fan. Um, and there was like a Jane West, if I remember correctly. There was a bad guy, naturally dressed in black. And then they had some solid horses, which would have been about, they probably just outsourced to some company that made, you know, plastic horse figurines right like brayer or somebody but everybody was chock-a-block full of accessories and so there were there were tons of things for them to go out and tame the untamed west i think somebody even had a bugle <laughs> it was insane. and jane west by the way if i remember correctly was packing heat well, yeah, you got to. It's the Wild West. She, yeah, she was a frontier woman. She was no nonsense. There was a cavalryman as well. Just so you out. know, I'm just putting this out there. Uh, I I will be it, when when everything opens up and we can go to Alicon again. I will be one day. I will be cosplaying as Big Josh from the Big Jim toy line. <laughs> Big Josh. Just look at Cole. Look at your chat. I posted you a picture of Big Josh. Dear God. <laughs> Big Josh just living that denim lifestyle. Oh, and who was his enemy that had the iron hand? Oh, Doctor. It was like a low-rent winter soldier and Jung Ho combined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so th that also, but this um, scale was the, the Mego scale, wasn't it? Oh, gosh, it's been so long. I, I think, think the original is a little bigger, but he may have been. Uh, he may have been Amigo scale. Because before before or after they had this scale, they stepped it down to the 8-inch scale. 
and they yeah. ran there, and and that was the first. Was that like the first? But Amiga was the first that really ran with the oh, licensing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Big Josh. Yes, indeed. Mego really went nuts with that eight-inch scale. It was the perfect size where they could still get doll clothes made. Right. As it were. Oh, Big Josh. Oh, Big Josh, baby. Just expect it. I think I saw some... Big Big Josh on a uh, one of those lumberjack competitions. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, that was Josh's thing. He just wear nothing but uh, jean shorts and a jean vest. Jean shorts and boots. And, and mid mid calf boots, mid-calf jean boots, shorts, yeah. and a jean vest with an axe. He just stayed stayed out all afternoon chopping logs. Just that so, was his Josh. Job. We've got enough lumber now. We can. <laughs> to which Josh responded, "I'm Big Josh." <laughs> I'm Big Josh. This is my Big Josh axe. This is what I do. I'm Big Josh. Uh, but yeah, the the eight inch line. Do you think that was a cost saving measure for them? I really feel like if you look at what was offered that the eight inch scale was an ideal size because it allowed them to be cost effective and much like GI Joe and big Jim, uh, you know, big Josh is every bit as cut. I only big answer to Jim. big Josh. <laughs> uh, because they all share identical bodies. They were like the original clone troopers. Right. So all you need is Tamara Morrison to voice Big Josh, and you're there. (laughs) uh, Big Jim was Mattel, and uh, Mego had their superhero line, which was amazing in that it was the first and one of the only times that a toy company, an action figure company, was cross-licensing. Right. Only other time this happened is when Toy Biz briefly oh so briefly courted DC and was making what were Mexican knockoff level figures of the original superpowers characters. Yeah. Which I do still have some of and, and enjoy having, um, but toy biz also did the toy biz will all toy biz in DC will always have a place near and dear to my heart <laughs> because that's who got the license for the 89 Batman movie. That's true. Yes, so, indeed. Always will we'll have get a place to that there scale very yes. shortly. But um, going down a bit in scale to the Migos, um, I think Big Josh may have been a little taller than a Amigo, maybe a little shorter than a GI Joe. Okay. But he had an axe and a log splitting attitude that just went all <laughs> into the night. Yeah. He just wouldn't quit. He saw a log. He wanted to split it. <laughs> I wonder in this Migo line. How much they had to pay Hervé Villachez for his likeness when they made that Conan figure. Wow. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Conan figure from the Mego line, but I would I, for the. Uh, I have, and I never made that connection. <laughs> I mean, if you trip the hair back and put him yeah. in a white suit, kind of. <laughs> it's definitely got to flipped back his uh, proportions. It. Uh, it definitely is Villachezzy. Yes, indeed. All you need is a uh, to find a Ricardo Montalban-looking character. And, but this is the first line that would have broken me, calling back to what I was saying about diversity within a line, because they went buck wild with this with this action with this line of. Uh... Oh yes, because and what was interesting, this is a, a, a unique period when a lot of stuff, the licenses could kind of be bought backdoor, because at the time Marvel had the publishing rights to 
uh, Conan the Barbarian. Sure. And DC had the publishing rights to um, Tarzan. And I can speculate that that's why those two characters made it into that line. Right. Because also in the 70s, uh, I'm sort of a little off-topic, 7-Eleven had about 400 different Slurpee cups that were hard plastic cups that had pictures of your favorite comic characters on them. Right. Talk about going buck wild. <laughs> it was a level of insanity is undreamt of because they were doing everybody, but they actually had a Conan and a, um, a, a Tarzan in that cup line, which suggests the two both happening in the seventies and licensing not being King yet. Right. They probably got through the Edgar Rice Burroughs estate and through the Robert E. Howard estate by basically licensing what was already licensed in a Michael McDonald kind of trying hard to license what had yet to be licensed. <laughs> sort of like, this is the first, uh, Isle of Toys, Michael McDonald reference, uh, will not be the last. Probably not the last. Cause I, I guarantee you, I will, I will bust out with at least one, uh, one verse from what a fool believes at some point on this show. And what's amazing is also in that scale during that period, they did, um, some, classic movie monsters without actually invoking the look of the universal monsters. But this, but the, the, the world's greatest toys line, right? The eight inch world's greatest toys line. World's um, greatest superheroes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. yes. Sorry, I, I wanted to be sure we kept that pedantic theme from Thank earlier. Thank you. I appreciate the correction. Um, I'll write you a strongly worded letter. Um, had some really weird, interesting figures in it that used to, you know, some choices. They made some choices. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, with uh, a lot of the original um, Teen Titans, which had to be exciting for you, Cole. Well, what's interesting there is they had a basic male and a basic female body. Right. And they used the living hell out of the basic male body. And they could cast it in any number of colors. So if you were doing the lizard, you would cast the body in hands in green. Or Green Goblin, for that matter. Mm -hmm. uh, different shade. Uh, if you're doing, um, you know, pretty much anybody else, you went with the basic white boy color scheme. Sure. That everybody, including the mummies, shared, even though he had kind of a yellow, a very jauntiest face. But then they came along with a slightly smaller build, male and female body, for the Teen Titans, which yeah. made it... I mean, that's where they're going all in because they really only had a handful of bodies. And one of the only other ones that they produced was the Hulk was unique. Hulk had a Hulk body, and Penguin and Mr. Mixon shared the fat boy body. <laughs> I do love that there is a Mixelplick um, Migo. Yeah. Like, of all, like... You know, and of course they have the almighty Isis um, as well, which if you haven't seen this, this will be the first time <laughs> on this show. If you haven't seen Free Enterprise, oh God, go see Free Enterprise. It if works for this show. It works if for you love show. toys, you must see Free Enterprise. You must it see. It is shock a block full of toys. And you'll find out how that's pronounced the name of that character from Shadows of the Empire. 
<laughs> I did. I was at a um, I, I was at a uh, antique toy store today, and I did see the Shadows of the Empire Dash Randar Outrider, and uh, I really wanted to buy it. End of story. Wow. Yeah, short story. Last story. Um, but yeah, the the. So were you around to in, in to have these figures? Oh, for? absolutely. I I actually owned Aquaman. Okay. I wanted the lizard so badly, but I think somehow in my youthful brain, I could not get around that pillow tail. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Essentially, the lizard figure came with pre-scored pants because you can't become the lizard without your pants getting all torn up, apparently. I think into the pants were sewn a stuffed cloth tail. And then he had a uh, a black wife beater, but he wore a pre-torn up lab coat over that. Right. And he had that pillow tail. You just couldn't you couldn't make it work. I don't know if you could make it well, work he was now. The, the founder of my tail. Oh god, damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be speaking at uh, Lex Luthor's Republican exactly. National Convention <laughs> inauguration. <laughs> but they, like you said, they did some unique stuff. Like they did Thor, and they gave him not only the hammer but a chromed helmet and Barbie hair. Thor, I mean, there was tremendous value added with Thor because he had the high boots, he had the the uh, cape, the Barbie hair, the helmet, the hammer. You got all and, he, and weird little band aid armlets. <laughs> he did. He he was value added. To the gills. It looks like those cloth band-aids. Yeah, but they did things like, you know, Green Arrow had a quiver and a bow and his little jaunty little uh, Robin Hood hat. I also like that they did alter ego figures. Yes. That's cool. Yeah, they did a whole uh, lineup with uh, Superman Clark Kent and uh, Batman Bruce Wayne. Yeah, they did. Um... And even Mummy Imanhotep, which I thought was really unique. That... Uh, I can't tell if you're messing with me right now or not. <laughs> I hate this. I can't you're tell. You're like that, that uh, dealer in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if he's being serious. <laughs> That's 100% the way I feel. I can't tell whether you're <laughs> gaslighting me about that shit or not. But they um, took that same scale and carried it over into their very successful Star Trek line. Ah, uh, yes. Where, like... So many other incarnations of Star Trek, Sulu and um, oh, um, Sulu and Chekhov were completely ignored. How they had they? a classic swarthy Klingon. Yes, they had a Gorn, which for some reason was chocolate brown, <laughs> and dressed the same as the Klingon. Again, probably economics, and I think they didn't want people to get confused and Grandma to go and buy the Gorn when you wanted a lizard with my pillow tail. <laughs> <laughs> Show uh, me on the pillow tail where it hurt you, Cole. Oh, Grandma. Oh, Grandma. They, they created a bunch of aliens of their own design, and then they had a, an alien that was based on the uh, the Clint Howard puppet. I know you're messing with me now. No, I mean, that the the creature from the Corbomite maneuver. Yeah, yeah, the giant. Not the Clint Howard character, but the uh, the. Uh, oh, okay. Because I would have, I would go out and pay real American dollars right now for just Amigo giant head Clint Howard baby. Uh, that I could put in this in this studio right now. Now, one thing that you should be paying real money for the the Mego scale got very popular in the '90s and again in the yes. late late 2000s. 
it keeps coming back. And somebody I just discovered in their retro uh, Amigo line has a 66 Batman all tied up. Oh, really? I do have the Batgirl. This is tune for the next one. <laughs> I, I do have um, the Batgirl re-release. So well, I'll tell you one one figure I want in this scale it was from the uh, '90s, I believe, or the early 2000s. Uh, somebody did a Happy Days retro line because yes. there actually was Amigo Happy Days. Line. Okay, but they took a step further, and there is a Fonz jumps the shark, where wow. he has swim trunks instead of his jeans, and comes with skis. That's awesome. Yeah, skis, and I I love that. I would never open it. Because half the joke is Fonz jumps the shark. Right. <laughs> so where did we go from an 8-inch, like an 8-inch well, Mego? Coming up into like the mid-70s, you've got your 8-inch Migos. And then they started doing things like there were some metal figures that were made. Okay. That were about four inches tall. And then they also, their answer to the, uh, there was the pocket superheroes. Yes. And they were made of metal. Because they wanted something for you to go toe-to-toe with the guy with the Johnny West figure. A little bit smaller, but it was a very effective blackjack. <laughs> you could you, you get a sock full of those? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I got Hulk, Superman, and Batman in here. <clears throat> you're, you, when, you're out, when you're out collecting money from the local deli, all you got to do is hold a sock up and a handful of those figures and just slowly That's start right. dropping them into the drop, sock. Drop. Here comes Spider-Man. And away you go. That's right. You know, because back then they were only a buck sixty-six each. You could easily take down two hundred fifty, three hundred dollar register. That's right. <laughs> Not that I did. But then comes this unique approach to the action figure that no one had ever attempted before. And I think it's because Migo and Hasbro wanted a doll for toys that wasn't a doll. It's not a doll, I swear to God. <laughs> Never a doll. Okay, we're good? Not a doll. Not a doll. That everybody was thinking cloth. Costumes. Right, soft, soft goods, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes uh, Barbie hair, like poor Conan. <laughs> it's hard to look savage with a broadsword and a double-headed yeah. axe. When you have a Jackie Kennedy bouffant. Correct. When you have a blowout. Too, too soon. Uh, when they went to that place that's down the road from you that just does blowouts. Oh, yeah. that What the hell? The blowout bar. What the hell is that? We are so old. I want to call over there sometime. One of these days we have to like call over when we're recording a show. So I'll work on the technology so that and, we can make just, calls out. Just ask. I, I've got uh, Skype for, to phone, so. Okay, we can do it then. Awesome. But, uh, but I, again, I just have, as we depart the Mego superheroes, the fact that they did so much with two different companies' stuff, and neither company was at all worried that, you know, Joker was on the shelf next to Green Goblin. Right. On the pegs. Never happened now. No, Never. Well, no one could afford both licenses now, for one, but that's, that's here and there. But speaking, there is a, a license that changed the toy world forever. Here we go. And we're, Cole, I got a rant. Here's the thing. We only have an hour show. Yeah. <laughs> we will talk about this for a full hour, I promise you. Yeah, we are actually going to do a show on this scale. But when this little company that made Play-Doh and baby dolls and stuff like that decided to throw their – you know, hitch their wagon to a star no one could have imagined was going to go where it was going. 
and bought the rights to Star Wars when nobody else wanted, they were fortunate to have someone who recognized, you know what's going to sell Star Wars toys? Not just the characters, but all those cool vehicles and creatures. Right. And those those set pieces. But, you know, look at the Mego Enterprise. Cost like twenty five bucks. Nobody's paying twenty five bucks. Right. Parents be damned if they're gonna pay twenty five bucks. Fast forward to now when Haslab has five hundred dollar Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Selling it to the kids of those very same parents that would be damned. That's and right. their president said, How about something about this high? Somebody ran over with a ruler and his finger span changed the world three and three quarter inches from tip of thumb to tip of index finger. That became the new standard scale. That was the toy version of the iPhone. Yes, yes, it indeed. completely destroyed the pre-existing notions that we had about what a to- what a toy was. Just completely wrecked it. I remember yeah. this. This the, now we're now we're in a now we're in a period where I can speak to it because yeah. I remember this. Because then everybody, Buck Rogers, GI Joe. I mean that that breathed life into GI Joe and made GI Joe both economical and in time incredibly insanely cool. Yes, because they realized we got Star Wars and we're writing. You know. It's our baby, and we can make anything we want, and nobody but us has a say in it. I know that you know Lucas and you know all the you know uh, all those guys were re- probably really really excited. You know what? Three weeks when the returns came in uh, after the opening after the opening of Star Wars. But do you think anybody was more excited than the guys that made the toys that went out oh, on that limb? God, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like especially oh, we did it. They. I mean, we'll have to talk about this on the show about the scale itself because its origins are equally amazing. And the fact that that scale more or less remains to this day. And the line itself from 1978 to the present easily has enjoyed over 1,000 to 1,500 unique figures. Oh, yeah. Making it easily the most prolific toy line in the history of history. Yes. I think what was the biggest window when there wasn't new Star Wars was how long? Was it seven years? 1985 to 1995. Okay, so ten years. Yeah, it was a huge ten-year gap in which G.I. Joe took over the world for – I even collected for a while. And another scale came into – hove into view. God, the most ridiculous scale in the world. Among others, there were several scales that just sort of popped up because – I think a lot of folks went with the three and three quarter inch. Uh, in the case of some, they tried to improve it. GI Joe articulated the hell out of things by taking a different approach, but then they weren't paying licensing fees. Correct. Then you had um, some curious other scales like uh, Kenner's Superpowers, where they didn't want they wanted to kind of combine the sensibilities of the three and three quarter inch and the Mego soft goods. Right. I mean, nothing beats a uh, Six and a half inch tall, uh, or six inch tall dark side with a stylish cape with a giant filigree D on it. Well, weren't the weren't the superpowers the ones that uh, had the the capes, but the necks had that weird C clasp? Yes, was... they had this uh, this piece of plastic that, like a you know, a eight tenths circle 
that was rigid enough that they basically sewed the the hem the cape around that plastic C shape. That way you could cram it onto their neck and it would pretty well stay there. Yeah, I think I think I have a Batman with that C still hanging out. Just... Oh my my Martian Manhunter, which is the sole superpowers figure I still own. When I was selling off superpowers figures years ago, Catherine said, "Keep the first one you ever got." And I was at a Walmart and found Brainiac, who was harder than hell to find. That was a great figure. That was an amazing figure. For some reason, being a living computer, he kicks. Yes, he he has little uh, little chicken feet, little me- what, little uh, yeah, metal, robot chicken metal, feet. Uh, oh, uh, Gil Kane chicken feet. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it was like that line in South Park, kicks with his, with his fate. Um, and I went, I found this at Walmart, and I got lucky. I'm like, this is amazing, the detail and the, the chrome and everything. And then I spotted that Martian Manhunter, and he had the, the cape and the, the uh, I think he had a punching action. But yeah, it was a leg these, squeezer. These tiny details, and his cape had this double fold, so it rode up real high, just like in the comics. Mm-hmm. And... He had that perfectly rendered beetling brow. I'm like, damn, I want to get this for myself. And then over many years, I, I had a good deal of the collection, but that cyborg just pissed me off because it was never released in the States that I ever saw. My favorite affectation from the Superpowers line was they thought that if they put a an acrylic window on the head, this acrylic piece that would go through and hollowed out the eyes. If you shine a light through the acrylic piece that was on the head, like the top of the head. Oh, yes, indeed. You are describing what was known as a, or what is known as a light pipe. Yeah. Which it, Hasbro would use to great effect later on when they were creating Star Wars figures again. The, um, mini Jawa with a light pipe head. The dark side figure had the omega beam that would never it just never you couldn't get it to work they would light you, his eyes up red take it to mars and be in closer vicinity to the sun itself <laughs> and never get enough light through that damn piece of semi-opaque plastic to really i mean you, you pretty much had to have like a 1600 uh candle uh candle power yeah uh footlight and, you know, you got one shot at enjoying the beauty of that before two things happen. One, the head would melt, and two, you would burn your redness. Right. Well, and and, and whatever, like, you city could be you like, were in, the lost dark. It's beautiful! Whatever city you were in would lose power, and like in a movie <laughs> where it would, like, pan out. And the you have this brief brown out while you're trying desperately to uh, kids playing with his damn God. toll again. Those were great figures. Those were great figures because they, they 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 came with a lot of value added. Yes, um, they, were those the, the answer to the Secret Wars? I'm not sure which was the answer to which because Secret Wars was slightly smaller and much dumber. It was much dumber. And I can say dumber because superpowers got really dumb toward the end. It, with Katana well, and. Because Batgirl was in the next wave, as was a really weird-looking man bat. Yes, yes, th- those were. Th- and they... Swamp Thing. Little fun fact: the Swamp Thing action figure line, which had all these different versions of Swamp Thing. The reason they had the same kind of kicking and punching action is that 
the regular standard Swamp Thing from that line was intended for superpowers. Okay. I did not know that, but that's awesome. It really is. And they came out with, like, Cactus Swamp Thing and, um, you know, uh, yeah, Arbor Day Swamp Thing. <laughs> uh, salad Bar Swamp Thing. Hanging Gardens of Babylon Swamp Thing. <laughs> You really, you really don't want to see Hanging Gardens. No, no, you don't. All of a sudden, it's Michael Bay's Swamp Thing. <laughs> okay, so what what was after? So you had the three and three quarter. So this inch was a line. weird period where three and three quarter inch hit. That becomes a sort semi standard, and then everybody gets proprietary. So scales are all over the map. It's sort of like oh, different scales. Um, <laughs> they uh, this is the one I think you were were leading into or leaning into there a little bit because the weirdest scale ever came kind of in this in this time period, which was there was a there was a scale that was between five and six inches. It's about five and a half inches, and it is best put on display when we talk about He-Man. Yes, it's it. But He-Man wasn't the only one, because for some reason, this was the scale that all of the licensed movie toys during this period used. So if you if you weren't Indiana yeah, Jones... Scale, if not the proportions. Right. The proportions were wild with the He-Man. That, that's the thing, is... They you know, were almost as wide as they were tall. Yes. And it's be- it was like Franco Colombo, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Lou Ferrigno had a mutant baby. See, I was going to say Danny DeVito, but you're probably more right than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but they made these figures that had five points of articulation. They had a neck, they had arms, and they had legs, and that was it. Wait, did they have waist? I think they were articulated at the waist, but I'm not 100 percent right. because I think you're right. Like with so many action figures, part of the economy was creating uh, tooling that you could use for 150 characters. But when they built the molds and built the tooling, they wanted to make them less boring than yes. you know the bolt upright three and three quarter inch figures or the bolt upright Migos. You know, and and granted, they had articulation; you could do more with them, but they didn't look dynamic they look static so he-man made their figures just rip to the gills <laughs> and already kind of moving towards you yeah like like lunging in the mold out at they, you they were practically they were just the side of being incapable of being contained within their butt blisters Correct. <laughs> they were the closest i've ever seen to one that was halfway to trying to make good its escape <laughs> And and they were wild figures, and they used this economy of size that they had because they had this great economy of size body mass index, <laughs> and they used that to great effect in building in playability into their figures. So you had characters like Mechanek, who you who had a neck that was built into this block body that these <laughs> things had that you could pull up. You had um you had Ram Man who you could squeeze down because the body yeah. was built in such a way. It was, was spring-loaded where his legs or his upper body 
was a surround for his legs, and there was a giant spring deep inside. Yeah, you had the battle-damaged figures with a swiveling chest where where it would be the, the normal chest, and you would push on it, and it would it would pop and swivel to 180 degrees, and it would have like a like a like a bashed-in chest piece. Of yeah, they would have a. There was one line where He-Man and uh, Skeletor had battle armor with a flip-over. Yes piece that would represent you know them getting swatted and you you had uh, characters that that had built-in bladders that would suck in water and shoot it out <laughs> you had all of these things built in because you had this giant economy of scale that that no other figure had to work with so you were making all this wild stuff into these figures for you to play with and you want to talk about play like like playability and diversity within a line i i don't i can't think maybe transformer but that's a whole other ball game. There was no scale to Transformers. They had 12-inch figures and 4-inch figures and 1-inch figures and everything. But I can't think of another economy of, you know, playability versus diversity than than the He-Man action figure line. I I I know I personally bought them all. I bought the weird Moss Man, the flocked Moss Man. And the Stinkor oh, yeah. that smelled. Oh, Stinkor, yeah. Stinkor was a unique... And they were really starting to rack their brains to come up with gimmicks as well toward the end. And then you got, you know, moderately compatible scales. It was always difficult to find characters that could play well together. Right. Because some scales just weren't 100% compatible. They were close because everybody was... This was also a period where the license grab was going crazy. Everybody wanted the next Star Wars. Silverhawks. <laughs> sectars! Sectars, yes. <laughs> sectars. We have to talk a moment about sectars. Velvet gloves. I saw some today at that guy's shop. Oh, my gosh. Yes, you had uh, insect mounts for these insect human <sighs> warriors that were effectively just a glove. They were they were a a Satin like the le- black. Go ahead. I, I, I... They were like the action figure uh, Michael Jackson's glove. Yeah, they were yeah, a yeah. satin glove that you put on black satin. So somebody was in tech in theater in high school. Oh yeah, and they developed this black satin glove that you would put on, and then they all came. You know, you could get uh, the mounts that were insects. So they had they they had a jaw that was mandible. They had uh, little little uh, legs that that were that were mandible, but they came with little ring pop rings that you would put uh, yeah. on over your fingers when you were wearing this glove, so you wouldn't see your hand. Okay. So it's the theater student's action figure at the end of the day. The illusion. That you that you didn't have a hand and it was you were articulating these kind of puppet mounts for your sectars. It was great. I love it. I love it. It was a that genius. Is, that is a, that is some. That was one of the most unique toy lines. And one of these days we'll have to talk about the really oddball toys that were still. They have so many adherents. Oh yeah. People love these things that just seem kind of awkward or crazy. Um. And you know you had uh, Waterworld. Oh God! <laughs> and uh, what was that? Disney Atlantis uh, had a figure line. Yeah, uh, I always wanted a one-eyed Dennis Hopper. Uh, oh God, of my yeah. own. Tell from the arterial nature of my bleeding that I've had a bad day, neighbor. 
neighbor. I, yeah, he, he was basically the same character in Waterworld yeah, as he, he was, was in Frank. Blue Velvet. Yeah. yeah, it was Frank from Blue Velvet, basically. So we're coming up on it. So we, we need to move on to um, to what I feel like is the last major evolution in action figure scale, and that is the the six and th- the six and three inch figure, which I think is more a collector um, scale than anything else. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm just dumb. <laughs> and I, I had something crossing my mind. Oh, that go I, ahead, please. I best not forget, but please, no, let's go ahead and get this one and then i have an honorable mention okay yeah the 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 figure line that that is the the kind of in between the 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 migo and the um the three and three quarter inch which is the six and the six and three quarter inch line which you know uh, for cole and i i can say is probably best articulated with the marvel legends line um but oh, absolutely also, also that was the, the that was the figure size that um dc direct landed on that NECA landed like like all of like that is the collector's size, and I think it packs the most punch because you can get a lot of detail, a lot of articulation, and you can, as we know now, you can really ramp up the likeness of whatever you're trying to do into that line. Exactly, and you know, as time has gone on in the larger scales, they're starting to add more and more, like you know, going and digitally scanning actors. Uh, we need to do, During we'll do a production. whole show. Oh, yeah. yeah. The digital the age of, of likenesses, yes. And uh, and it also, I'm amazed it took Hasbro as long as it has to get this G.I. Joe line going. Oh, God, yes. That was a gold mine. They've got like 700 characters. They own them. Yeah, and they own them. Why are they not doing this? And I think it's because prior contemporary relaunches of G.I. Joe have failed, Largely because prior contemporary lines of G.I. Joe figures are terrible. I would agree with that, 100%. Sigma 6 was a god-awful attempt to combine plastic and soft goods. Um, I will say this. I, I, I love the line. I'm not going to get into Target tonight. I'm not going to get into exclusivity tonight. But I do think that they've dropped the ball a little bit, Cole. And I'll tell you where. <clears throat> um. On the packaging, which comes in kind of that Marvel Legends DC Multiverse box packaging, um, <clears throat> on the back, guess what? There is not. Oh, I've seen them, but I don't know that I've scrutinized them. There is no um, file file shaped dossiers. Oh, no file cards. I didn't even think about that. I'm so not steeped in GI Joe that that wouldn't necessarily have bothered me, but at the same time, it it bothers me. Like they're missing me cutting out file cards or packaged with their own kind of file cards in the package that, you know, explain the character, um, all of that on this, on this, you know, six and three quarter inch line, which I believe will incite the unholy retribution of one Larry Hama. And no one Um, wants that. Well, no one wants his Omega beam. (laughs) stare. Nobody wants his penitent stare. It's Ghost Rider style penitent stare, looking into your soul and revealing all your sins. So I'm going to suggest you start putting those on these figures because that's a bad scene. So what were you? What what crossed your mind? I'm, I'm, well, I'm actually, very curious. Catherine. Yeah, we need to go ahead and, and address this. Catherine pointed out, and I'm, I'm going to have to look here because it just occurred to me. There was a, a line during the heyday of Micro Machines. Okay. 
and it was like Max somebody maybe or and there were like little play sets. Okay. Tiny little elements. You had your character and your villains or whoever and monsters and dinosaurs or what have you. And everything was encapsulated in a little hinged shaped box that would fold out to be like an island or a volcano. Or, I uh, remember that. I, they, I, I really remember that. I don't remember the name. Yeah, somebody uh, write into us and, and tell us. Uh, or just a, uh, Yeah, tell us what this is. <laughs> That's going to bug me now. Now I'm going to have to try to find it. But, you know, there were all kinds of, in the 80s especially, and I guess in the 90s, you had all these kind of wild derivations from scale as well. You had Mask with like a three inch figure you had, exactly. you know, we haven't talked about, we will later. I will talk about, about Max, mighty Max. Okay. Okay. Mighty there Max we go. Oil line. There was one that was shaped like a coiled snake. Oh. Open it up. and There'd be this like dungeon full of skeletons and crap. And there'd be a giant scorpion with a, a bright red tail. So that way the cops wouldn't mistake it for a real scorpion. I remember these Cole. Holy sh Oh man. Yes. The, the, the boy equivalent of Polly pocket. That's it. Exactly. That is it. Exactly. Oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. And it, it, you know, no articulation, precious little to the whole thing, but they were, they apparently made a ton of them. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of like all of the. There are a lot of them. Um, I do have a segment planned for like some us. Sort of weird ammonite or something. <laughs> I got a pocket full of ammonite. I, I like the cyclops. There oh my some, gosh. There are some really cool ones. Oh, okay. So hold on to this because there is a segment that I have developed for the show that this is going to play exactly into. All right. So um, when the time comes, you will. You, my, I guarantee you, Mighty Max will have its day in the sun. Okay, very good. Um, do you have any final thoughts on scale before we wrap this sucker up? Just that, you know, thank goodness the variation and the, the broad range of scale that we find in toys makes a kind of sense and, you know, allows a, a degree of proprietary nature to each and every line in question. And all I can say is thank God that we can settle on things across hundreds of companies in say electronics or anything electrical. Yeah. That we don't have 14 different kinds of plugs. <laughs> so are you wanting some kind of government standards? for? Yeah, I think we need to, uh, to regulate and uh, settle on three scales <laughs> that way everyone can enjoy because every now and again I'd get really excited about a toy line that supposedly uh, there was a point where Mattel was supposed to have a DC line that was three and three quarter inch. Right. Their infinite line or their crisis line or whatever mm -hmm. they call it. And it was and it wasn't. And so, you know, I thought, oh, great, we can finally have figures that are compatible with the Marvel Universe. Nope. Nope. And now we have Spin Masters in DC, which is what, three inch? Or two yeah. Inch? Or, or no, I, no, I, 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 three, yeah, I know, I think they're three inch figures. About three inch. So they're just outside of. 
Yes, and so there's no – it's very difficult to find a compatibility. I've, I've seen displays put together, and, and that Cyclops is really nice. Uh, I've seen displays <laughs> put together that were of varied toy lines. It's it's like the Adams Family reunion. Everybody's different shapes and sizes. Right. All right. Well, I love it. Um, I think we did it. We're going to talk. We actually did it. We are going. Yeah, we are going to delve heavily into the three and three quarter inch, six inch, and probably aspects of the uh, Masters of the Universe line beyond just the line itself. Right. Uh, one of the things I'm hoping to do is take a look at some of these toys, not necessarily as the lines or as the series, but as they relate to the toy industry and the nature and direction that toys have taken us. Oh, 100%. And, and, you know, the way people collect and why, why did we want to change and does it better represent the line? And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot we can talk about. And being us, we will definitely be addressing the collection assassin. <laughs> Exclusivity. Oh God. Yeah. If not in every issue, <laughs> I had to stop myself tonight, but I did it. I did it. Uh, Cole, why don't you plug us up and we'll, uh, right. we'll, well roll we're up out of here. We're coming to you from the Jedi Cole Universe at JediCole.com. You can still write to us at jcumail at gmail or yahoo.com. I am eventually going to remember to get that new Gmail account set up. I somehow forgot how to do that or something. <laughs> oh, uh, McFarlane Toys. Oh, yeah. There's an indefinable scale. Yeah, that's, but, that's uh, Who knows? <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> And we uh, we have a, a wonderful uh, logo or uh, place card in the works for this show, which we I'm do. really excited about. Uh, so I just want to hint at that. I'm supposed to get back with uh, Courtney, the artist. Oh, very uh, nice. Good. A decision on part of it. Uh, and I think I've settled on something uh, based on her suggestion. So if you're listening... God forbid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, what are you doing? Sir, so, uh, what are you thinking? But uh, we'll, uh, I'm, we're really looking forward to that, and I will be uh, soon getting the JCU back in working order. I'm going to try to get uh, some back uh, Hey Kids comics up finally uh, on the average two to three a day until that's all caught up, and then this show will also be caught up as well. Very nice. Um, yeah, and we're still working on uh, getting everything set up for um, the social media stuff, uh, but that is coming as well. Um, and yeah, join us in two weeks when we uh, talk about more toys. I'm, I couldn't be more excited. Um, and uh, also talk about uh, Mr. Cole goes to Washington in order to enact uh, action figure <laughs> regulation. Um, right. It's high time. We could count on our action figures. Wonderful. Well, say goodnight, Cole. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Uh, Cole, did you have a sign-off for this? I don't remember if I did. I'm do terrible. You, I... Do you want to make one real quick? Yeah, we need to... Uh... Well, we want to encourage everybody, no matter how you collect or play with your toys, is to retain some of your childhood and always have toys in your life. There you go. That's good. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.